Hey everybody, welcome to the Song Revolution Podcast, brought to you by Nashville Christian Songwriters. Nashville Christian Songwriters exists to empower Christian songwriters worldwide. I'm John Chisholm, and this podcast exists to bring you valuable songwriting insights, inspiration, interviews, and just all-around good fun with some of the greatest songwriters, producers, arrangers, artists, and creatives, and beyond. You can find out a whole lot more about us at NashvilleChristianSongwriters.com. Hey everybody, John Chisholm here. Welcome to the show. It's good to have you here and I hope that every show that we do brings immense value to you personally and very specifically to your songwriting because that's why we're here. We're here to empower you to do what you're supposed to do. It's really such a privilege to me to be in a season of downloading over 30 years of my experience to new generations of songwriters. And that's that's really what this this thing is all about. I mean, God is all about raising up writers to tell his story. And the deeper I go into this, the the more amazed I am. I mean, I had no idea a couple of years ago when we started Nashville Christian Songwriters that we would be doing this podcast, that there would be such a hunger and a thirst for it. I just found out this morning that we're over 19,000 downloads, and we just launched April 1, so we're six months into this thing. Uh, This is episode number 32, so we're really, you know, really trying to give you something that's valuable each and every week, but I'm just blown away, and and what I'm seeing, and I hope that you're seeing this too, is that God is determined to tell His story because it is the greatest story. It's the truth. It's the greatest truth, the gospel, And, and if we are if we're successful in this thing as Nashville Christian songwriters, it's because you are successful. It's because we're able to set you up to win in whatever context you find yourself, whether you're writing for your local church or you want to be on the radio or you want to build a singer-songwriter ministry, whatever it is that you're about, that's what we are about. We're here to support and to encourage. And we say it this way, that Nashville Christian songwriters exist to empower our Christian songwriters worldwide. And so that's what we're supposed to do, and we're supposed to encourage and support and bless you. So it's such a privilege to me to to be doing this, and and it's a powerful thing to watch as God enables you. And I watch as songwriters that I'm working with just really explode with the knowledge of songwriting, because it's one thing to, to know about songwriting, and it's another thing to really know songwriting. So that's that's what we're about. We want to give you the, the, the mindset and the skill set so that you can do a much more powerful job at what you are doing. And you know, it's never too late. It's never too late to engage with yourself as a writer and to uh, really step into a new season of songwriting. And, you know, don't buy the lie that you've blown it, that you're too old, that you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too whatever, you don't live in the right place, you don't know the right people. All of those things are just lies. They're just lies of the enemy, and the enemy just wants to keep coming at us time and time again to thwart God's purposes and God's plan. And so we have to just continue to 
put that off and put on the truth of uh, God's sovereignty and his power and uh, his calling. You know, I was reading this morning in Oswald Chambers' great book. Uh, it's, I think it's one of the best devotionals ever. It's called My Utmost for His Highest. And if you don't know that devotional, you really need to, to get that one because it's just a classic. But I was reading this morning about the call of God and how even if we've managed somehow to dismiss it in our lives that you know, like maybe we chose safety over the dangerous path of obedience, whatever that might mean for you, he is still right there ready to renew that call on your life. It just really doesn't go away. No matter what we've done, uh, you know, we, we, we tend to persecute and dismiss people if they're moral failures or something that uh, they fail in some other way or whatever, business failures. And, you know, we tend to dismiss others, but we also dismiss ourselves, and we think that there's no way that we're going to fulfill a higher call. But, you know, that's just a lie. That is such a lie from the enemy. So Oswald Chambers this morning was just encouraging me in that whole area. You know, all we have to do is turn back to him in any area of our lives, and he just immediately restores and renews, and he heals us, and he just makes it all right. It's like that Romans 8 thing. He works it together for good. I'm going to share a song in a little while, a, a, a lyric to a song that's kind of around that very theme. But, you know, I just believe that Christian songwriting is very different from general marketplace songwriting. And, and you know, and we all love different, we call them secular songs, but we, I like to call them general marketplace. But, uh, you know, what we do as Christian songwriters is kind of different, very different actually than the general marketplace in that we have this ultimate goal of the gospel in mind as we write and present our songs. There's just a whole different spirit involved in this process and the outcomes that, that we're looking for because, yes, we want to make money with our songs. Yes, we want people to recognize our talent and our ability. And yes, we want to use our talents and our abilities. We want to be faithful stewards of those things. But the ultimate outcome isn't just to write a hit worship song, but we really want to bring people into more of the kingdom uh, mindset uh, and really bring more of the kingdom into into reality through our words and our melodies. And so that's that's a high and holy calling to me. And I've had the privilege of having written and published over 400 songs, worked with dozens of songwriters. If you've been following me, you know a little bit about my story, but I wound up becoming vice president of publishing for the Gaithers here in Nashville for a long time and at Integrity Music for a long time, working with amazing songwriters, uh, Paul Balash, Don Moen, Linda Shazo, Gary Sadler, on and on and on, just fantastic songwriters that have truly affected the world for the kingdom of the songs that have gone to the nations and are still part of the hymnody of the church worldwide. So that's a high and holy calling to me. I don't take that for granted. And out of that foundation, that's why I'm doing what I do here at NCS. So enough about that. With all that in mind, today I want to finish up a four-part series on making your mark on music. And this particular one is going to be about letting your North Star hook guide you through the songwriting process. So if you didn't catch the first three, they're 
on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, and on our site at NashvilleChristianSongwriters.com. So you can go back and catch those. I think you really want to, I would think you want to do that. So uh, this is the fourth one in that four-part series. So today's show is all about the North Star Hook and how you can let it guide you safely through the writing process. Assuming that everybody knows that the North Star was the primary navigational tool sailors used for centuries to guide them safely home, the metaphor makes just a lot of sense for us as songwriters, because without a very bright North Star hook, you just wind up lost at sea in your song process, and you might never make it back. So I think there's probably millions of songs adrift out on that proverbial song ocean out there that never really make it home because the sailor didn't didn't focus on that North Star hook. Plus, I'm convinced that around 99% of the writers that I encounter have never considered just how important the hook even is, what it is, or how to use it to set up the entire writing process. So I want to do more than talk about it today. I, I want to demonstrate it from a recent song that I wrote with a great friend of mine and show you how we wrote a song from one little line and we fleshed out the entire process by using it as our North Star hook. But before I do that, I want to review some general things about uh, around the hook, talk about what a hook even is, and kind of ease into our content that way. Because I, I don't think a lot of writers really understand. I mean, we might even know the term. I've had some writers ask me, well, what's a hook? And, you know, that just shows that belies the ignorance around this whole thing and, and what a hook really, really is and why it's so important and why we have to start there if we're going to be truly effective. So the effectiveness and impact of your song is directly tied to the quality of your original idea, no matter what the subject matter. And the hook, which is usually the title, the hook title that becomes your North Star that guides you through the process of actually crafting the song from beginning to end. Remember that one song can have several things that make the overall song memorable, emotionally compelling, and I call it sticky to the point of making people love it. You know, a, a song really can have several types of hooks. I'm gonna I'm gonna focus primarily on the lyrical hook because that's just my strong suit. But hooks can also be musical riffs like Michael Jackson's. Remember that. Mm. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh. I'm so terrible. You can go ahead and laugh. But that musical riff like Michael Jackson's Billie Jean or Journey's Don't Stop Believing or even that certain signature intro on uh, You've Got a Friend. Da, 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 dun, da. Remember that? So, I mean, that classic Carol King, James Taylor thing, or you know, really countless other musical elements that are tied forever with certain kinds of songs. So, there can be certain kinds of hooks or different kinds of hooks in one song, but without a powerful lyric hook that most often becomes the title and subsequently the earworm that stays with listeners for days, months, and years. I mean, how long have we been singing Don't Stop Believing or, you know, You've Got a Friend or Billy Joel? Decades, right? And so that hook stays with you forever. But without a lyric hook, we really only have an instrumental. 
My associate coach, Rob Corona, who's just a great guy. Uh, he's, he's brilliant on so many levels, but he has a book called The Songwriter that you ought to check out. But he's written in that book that the characteristics of a hook are number one, it's a concise phrase of one to five words. Number two, that phrase expresses the song's primary theme. Number three, it's repeated often, or at least prominently. Uh, Number four, it's memorable and catchy. And number five, it's often, I think most often found in the chorus and or the title of the song. So what he recommends and what I'm talking about today is the whole concept and idea of writing the hook before you write the song, okay? And that may be backwards for some of you. You might be thinking, well, I just sit down and write, and whatever happens, happens, and I call it good. Well, that's why you stay stuck in the average zone. That's why your song is probably adrift on the sea of mediocrity, because you really haven't started with anything that's strong enough to elevate your song to that memorable, compelling, hooky, earworm status in people's minds, okay? So I'm going to say it again. What we're talking about today is to write the hook before you even write the song. You know, pro writers start with some kind of a hook, a word, a phrase, or sometimes a musical motif that becomes the guiding force of the song. We call it the North Star hook to its completion. I think it's rare that anyone just sits down at the piano or guitar and a fantastic hook falls out as they dink around with a few chords. I'm I'm sure it could happen, but it's been very rare for me personally. Not that the good things don't start there, but it's often just a start and then you develop it from there. So another distinction that I want to point out here is that there's a huge difference between the essence of an idea and a great hook that becomes the North Star, okay? I think that so many so many times uh, uh, there's a, a teacher from Berkeley uh, School of Music, and I have a, his book over on my shelf, and I can't think of his name right now. It might come to me in a moment. It's not Pat Patterson, but it's another one of their great teachers. But he talks about ideas being seeds, songs in seed form, and that often a writer will jump from the seed to try to go to the full-blown song. And I think that's true. I think we become impatient sometimes, and we try to take what is a seed and make it a full-blown thing, and and it's just not ready. We have to, to spend some time around this idea that we have, the seed, and fertilize it, water it, give it some sunshine, and watch it grow into a full-blown hook before we then even write the song. So sometimes I think we waste the song seed, right? It's like we can we can have an idea about a theme we want to write about, but we don't realize that the next step is to develop a hook around that theme. Now, I've done this dozens of times in writing for specific albums or musicals where there was a need for a song around a specific moment or theme, but a hook needed to be created to carry that theme, right? I knew I knew the direction. I knew the general direction that I needed to go, but I needed to develop a hook out of that idea rather than just thinking the first thing I wrote down was that idea or was the, the, the great hook that I needed to build the whole song around, right? So it's kind of like writing from intuition or writing on 
purpose, writing with intentionality. So uh, I call this this part of the process writing from the essence of an idea. And those who've been my clients and students here at NCS, you know what I'm talking about, because I think that a lot of times we have the essence of an idea, but we've just not fleshed it out into a great hook. Um, you know, it, it, like, let me give you a couple of examples. If it's the part of the Christmas musical where Mary is going to come riding in on a donkey, for instance, then you could come up with a dozen different titles to capture that moment. It, it doesn't have to be, here comes Mary riding on a donkey, you know, blah, 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 blah. I mean, no, we need something that's, that's more poetic, more imaginative, more uh, memorable than that, although that's kind of, it's dumb enough to be memorable, right? So, you know, we need to come up with, I mean, we need to sit down with a with pen and paper or however we, we capture our ideas and think through that moment. What does that moment need to be, right? I mean, this 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 teenager, I mean, this young young girl who is, uh, you know, not even in high school is pregnant and and coming into a strange town and no place to stay. And there's all this pathos around this whole moment. So we need to get into the emotion of it and then just jot down 10 or 12 different ideas uh, for hooks that could capture the emotion of that moment. Or if an artist wants to talk and sing about certain subjects, and I've done this hundreds of times, uh, then writers can research those subjects and create killer hooks uh, around uh, that the essence of that idea of that subject, right? I mean, I always think about the newsboys. Uh, the newsboys are uh, very evangelistic in what they do, and they've always been that. That's been their ministry is to win kids for Jesus. So uh, if you were going to be writing, you, you hear that the newsboys are, are doing a new record and they're looking for songs. And so you would then take the essence of their ministry and go and research and try to find some fresh, cool, current ways to present the gospel in order to get to them and even be, you know, remotely considered for a song on their record. So, you know, you'll do yourself a huge writing favor if you spend as much time, if not more, on deciding what the essence of your idea, the essence of your song is, and then crafting not one, but as many hooks as you can to express that essence. And I think that you'll come a lot closer to finding a North Star hook if you'll spend some time being creative. Don't just get stuck on the first thing, but really be creative in that listing uh, part, okay? You know, sometimes hooks do happen in conversations or you hear phrases in a sermon or read them in a book and they're just perfect the way that they are. They just fall out of somebody's mouth or a preacher says a particular catchphrase and it's like no one's ever written a song out of that. And, you know, like God is good all the time to use kind of an old one, but, you know, those kinds of things and take those and craft songs out of those ideas. So sometimes... North Star hooks really do happen full-blown, fully birthed just the way they are, and they don't need further development. And those are really gifts from heaven when they happen. Always write them down and never depend on your memory to recall them the next time that you're ready to write. You want to have those things ready uh, to go at any time that you've got an hour to work on your songwriting. I have a song in a couple of hymnals now, and it's called Oh Mighty Cross that I co-wrote with my 
great friend, David Baroni. And that idea jumped out at me fully formed from a Christian newsletter that I read once where the author, he was quoting, he or she was quoting an ancient text of some kind. I probably still have that newsletter in the archive somewhere. But when I read that phrase, it just jumped out at me and I thought that has got to be a song and now it's it's blessed millions around the world. So very thankful for that. Another great example is the newer hit song, Tell Your Heart to Beat Again. It was covered by Danny Gokey and I love Danny. I, I love this song and I didn't really realize till recently that it was really written by Randy Phillips of Phillips, Craig and Dean. Uh, and I actually had the privilege of helping them get started years ago, but it was written by Randy Phillips, Bernie Herms, and Matthew West. And this perfectly formed hook happened when Randy heard the story of a pastor who was invited by, he wanted to see an open heart surgery, and he was invited by a a surgeon friend to actually come and observe this open heart surgery. It sounds horrible to me, and I would not want to see it. Uh, But anyway, this pastor obviously did. And so during the surgery, it had been a perfect surgery. You know, they actually saw the chest cavity open. They go in and, and, and replace the heart and do whatever they do. And they massage the heart gently and try to get it to beating again. But this patient's heart was not beating. It was not coming back the way it was supposed to. And so at a critical moment in the procedure, the surgeon knelt down, took off his mask, and whispered into her ear, Ms. Johnson, tell your heart to beat again. And miraculously, the heart started beating at that very second. So what an amazing story. That's one of the best story behind the song stories that I think I've ever heard. It's an amazing song. And Bernie and Matthew and Randy just, they obviously wrote a very powerful song out of that hook that Randy heard this pastor say. So that that hook fell out fully formed. But it doesn't always happen that way. So spending more time on your ideas than you do even trying to write them, I believe will pay rich dividends, dividends. And you have to make sure that you're always watching for them. And you know, don't let them go by. I mean, don't depend on your memory. Always write them down. Put them in your phone. Do something. I mean, it's kind of like developing a sensitivity to them and not missing them. If something hits you emotionally in a phrase, chances are that it's going to hit someone else as we highlight them in a song. I mean, that's what a song is anyway, right? It's putting a phrase, the hook, under a magnifying glass and magnifying that idea, that emotion or thought making it bigger in people's minds with that with whatever phrase that we have uh, you know used that we're using to bring that emotion to people i mean the stronger the emotion in the phrase the more effective the song i mean let's go back to tell your heart to beat again we all need to tell our hearts to beat again at times right i mean you know give me some love on this right it's true we all have to tell our hearts to beat again with love to beat again with hope, to beat again with just sheer 
determination that we're going to keep going when times are tough. So that hook is just so uh, universally applicable. It's just so it's emotional, it's powerful, and it really works. And you know, in the end, listen to me, listen to me, please listen very carefully to me. In the end, we're not writing songs, we are writing emotion. You can write that down. In the end, we're not writing songs, we're writing emotion because we need to pull people in on an emotional level or we're not going to have any response whatsoever. And that's the reason it's so important to use imagery to really tell, uh, excuse me, to show, not tell, rather than just yakking at people, but really to pull them into the depth of emotion that we are trying to convey. Because if we don't hit people in the heart, then the head is just not going to keep them engaged. I think about Barrett and Brown's recent smash worship song, Good, Good Father, and it was recorded by House Fires and by Chris Tomlin. And however this song came to be, they really captured the essence of the goodness of God as a father in an emotional and musically hooky way that rolls off the tongue. And it rolls off the tongue conversationally, prayerfully, worshipfully. And you can all, we can all remember, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are, right? And then it pulls us back in, and I'm loved by you. I like to go, loved by, I like to get all soul, right? I, I kind of go soul on this thing when I sing, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Yeah, so anyway, I'm going to get worshipful here in just a sec. But however they crafted it, it, you know, I mean, these guys are so musically gifted that I think they recognized a great hook when it popped up somehow, and then they constructed the rest of the song around it. And our friends out at the International House of Prayer, uh, Forerunner Records, I mean, great, great stuff. And they've had the 24-7, uh, 365, you know, prayer room. They've been worshiping and in prayer 24-7 for like, I don't know, is it 12 years now? It's a long, long time. And a whole record label grew up called Forerunner Records out of that whole ministry. And where when they're just worshiping and praying and, and interceding, you know, these little phrases come out and then uh, they develop them into full-blown songs. They don't leave it just as it was in a run-along prophetic kind of prayer song. They actually take lift that hook out and then they turn it into a more commercial song that a lot more people can understand. So go check out Forerunner Records because they're awesome people and they've been doing that for years and years and years. So if you have the essence of something that you want to say, the next best thing is to begin brainstorming as many hook lines as you can around that idea. Try to write a lot of them. I was talking about this earlier in the show today. See how many ways you can twist and turn the keywords into something that's emotional, memorable, and compelling, and then start writing your song around it. Okay, I, I want as I kind of bring this thing to a close, I want to... Um, demonstrate with one of my own songs written with a, a really sweet friend, Marsha Henry. Hey, Marsha, I hope you're listening, man. I, I love you. You're awesome. It's so fun writing with you, and I loved this moment that we had. She, had. she and I had gotten together to write a month or so back, and we were thumbing through our journals and song snippets for ideas. And uh, I'm personally, I'm, I'm going to get a little band, soapbox bandwagon here for just a minute. 
I'm very, I'm personally tired of writing about how broken we are in order to talk about how good God is. I just don't think we have to do that. I feel like we have done that for so long that people kind of tune out anymore. That's just a personal opinion. So take it for you know what it's what it's worth. But I know there's a place for talking about brokenness, and you know, lament is a very real thing. And I think the church has ignored lament in a lot of ways for the happy, clappy, up-tempo, you know, let's all be happy in Jesus kind of stuff. And I'm not really talking about that. I'm I'm not at all, but I'm really tired of seeing the word broken and brokenness and all those kinds of things and phrases because I feel like we can go deeper, we can do something that's better than that. So anyway, I'm just personally in a place of wanting to write more powerful, victorious songs that refer back to the finished work of Jesus. Now, and, and sometimes you do have to talk about brokenness in order to get there. But anyway, that's a little soapbox. Uh, but I had a hook idea that was the simple phrase, when you see me fall. Now, it didn't have a, a real story behind it necessarily, but a feeling behind it that I might fall often, but when you see it happen, just be sure that I'm not going to stay down. And that's the kind of person that I am personally. I mean, yeah, sure, I fall, I stumble like everybody else. But over the years, I've developed this determination that I'm not going to stay down. And that's gotten me through many, many, many hard times. There's a tenacity in me as far down as I can fall sometimes. I don't know, God just seems to ignite this tenacity in me to get back up because I'm not going to stay down. You know, I might fall, but I'm not going to stay down. So Marsha and I decided to work on this song, and the re the result of this has just been personally encouraging to me since the day we wrote it, and I, I, I sing it over and over in my mind to encourage myself, and to me, that's the mark of something that I think will translate to a lot of other people. If it, if it stays with me over and over, and it's encouraging me, then I, I think, I want to think that it will translate to a lot of other people. So this is how the song turned out. And it's kind of written in a Southern Gospel-y way. I'm not that it couldn't be treated in some other other ways, but we kind of wrote it in that vein. And it goes, I'm going to sing it to you, okay? It goes, this is the chorus, not the verse. It goes, oh, when you see me fall, you haven't seen it all. God's still working. When I'm down and out, don't you ever doubt I'll sing again. Though it may appear I haven't got a prayer somehow, I'll still come out standing tall. I know he'll pick me up in his arms of love when you see me fall. Oh. I just, that just blesses me. And my singing may have been terrible, and you're like, oh, that doesn't bless me. <laughs> well, that's okay. It doesn't have to bless you, but it really blesses me. I mean, it kind of becomes part of the, the big idea. The one big idea is really Romans 8, that God is working all things out for our good, you know, no matter what happens. Or the proverb that talks about a righteous man falling seven times, but the Lord lifts him up and, and that kind of thing. Let me read those words to you one more time in case you tuned out when I was trying to sing it a cappella. And that is, okay, the hook was when you see me fall, but I didn't want to write anything negative. I didn't want to write about the brokenness aspect. I wanted to write about the power, uh, the promise of God picking us back up. So we wrote, when you see me fall, you haven't seen it all. 
God's still working. So you've got the nice inner rhyme with fall and all. When you see me fall, you haven't seen it all. God's still working. When I'm down and out, don't you ever doubt I'll sing again. And though it may appear I haven't got a prayer, somehow I'll still come out standing tall. I know he'll pick me up in his arms of love when you see me fall. So we used the hook at the beginning and at the end. We just did some nice inner rhyme and some things uh, that kind of kept it all flowing. So uh, can you see how that works? I mean, we let one phrase, the one big idea, the North Star hook called When You See Me Fall, that drove the development of just the entire lyric. I mean, that was the thing that just, it was our guide all the way through uh, to that end product. So I won't quote them here, but the verses point beautifully to the payoff in the chorus and make it a compelling hook that I just think a lot of people would be blessed to hear. Maybe you don't, that's okay. Uh, But it encourages me and brings a fresh sense of determination and faith that God's working it all out and he'll put us over somehow. And we're, we're hoping that some great Southern gospel group or singer will pick it up. So if any of you are listening to the podcast, I'm pitching a song on my podcast. Okay. All right. So there's the truth. I'm pitching songs now on the show. But anyway, actually, I just wanted to use that as an example of how you can let one phrase guide you all the way through that process to a great song. So it's an example of how spending more time on your ideas and developing that North Star hook actually guides the writing process. Now, we talk a lot around here about the OBI or the one big idea in a song, and that came from years ago. Bill Gaither told me that there's not room in a song for more than one big idea, and that's just stuck with me for over 30 years. So as I coach songwriters through Nashville Christian Songwriters, I always go back to the OBI over and over again, the one big idea to guide me and my writers toward that North Star hook powerful thing that we have. So, you know, check out your favorite hit songs and you'll just see that I'm right. The most powerful songs always stick to the OBI and let the North Star hook guide them safely home. So I hope you'll use this one principle to strengthen every song that you write and that that your ears will just become sensitive and open from now on for the hooks that are happening around you every day. Well, that's what I've got for the show today on the Song Revolution podcast, and I am praying for your song success, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for being here today for the Song Revolution podcast from Nashville Christian Songwriters. We exist to empower you and to bring you some of the greatest inspiration, insights, and important people from the Christian music world to help you write your best and to be heard as the songwriter that you were born to be. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us over on Twitter and Instagram, and connect with us through our Facebook group called Successful Christian Songwriters. Until next time, I'm John Chisholm calling you to a song revolution.